Are you a six to seven figure revenue generating business owner who is craving more ease, more alignment, and definitely more profit in your business? Well, guess what? I have been leaning in towards having these conversations about owning your value, understanding sales and marketing from an authentic feminine approach. And I have decided to have a private conversation about these topics. So I'm starting a private podcast called Emotionally Uncomfortable Attracting Profit. So head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash profit. P-R-O-F-I-T. If you are a six to seven figure female founding business owner, you're going to want to check it out because I'm talking more strategy over there. I'm talking bigger picture. These are conversations that I've not yet had on the Emotionally Uncomfortable podcast. Go over there, check it out, and we'll see you on the inside. So the world fell out for me, um, out from underneath me on December 23rd, 2015. Our family was busily preparing for the holiday season. And we had just gotten an email with the news that our oldest daughter um, had severe learning disabilities in both reading and math. And she also had um, undiagnosed, very severe attention deficit disorder. She was in grade six and couldn't read past a kindergarten level. Her ability to hide in the school system was now gone. She couldn't read a chapter book. She couldn't complete a math word problem. And by all accounts, she was being left behind. In that moment, I felt like I had failed her. I had done all the things that I thought I was supposed to do. Parent-teacher meetings, I volunteered in her classrooms, I bought her books, I read her books, um, I cooked with her to help her learn math, and all of this effort suddenly seemed all for nothing. As I tried to recover from the feeling of the floor falling away, um, the weight of the world kind of settled in on my shoulders and I felt lost like an explorer in the woods with no map, compass and no way to find my way out. This holiday season, she asked for a book for Christmas and I got to tell you, I was pretty surprised. And on January 5th this year, I woke up to a text from her that said, I don't think I've ever read a book this fast in my life, mom. I love it and it's so good. I sat there reading the text Tears leaking from my eyes. I was filled with joy and pride and all of the emotions um, as I read this message from her. The seven years of extra tutoring, driving around, doctor's appointments, new schools, learning about accommodations, neurodivergent learning, medications, how to study, how not to study, all the flashcards we went through um, suddenly seemed like it had paid off. Our daughter is now currently living on her own, studying in university, and actually reading a book for fun. Um, seven years ago, I just never thought this would be possible. I love it. Yeah. What is the emotion that comes up for you when you keep reading? Well, not when you keep reading the story, when you read the story. Yeah, it's... I mean, part of it is it just takes you back and you kind of refeel, you know, how lost you felt, but then also in this present moment, 
how all of, you know, all the things we've learned together and on the journey that we've been on and just how, I mean, there's been some really tough moments and there's been some really joyous moments, like getting this text that I'm reading the book and I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, it's kind of like feeling all the emotions at once. Right. And I Mm -hmm. think that's the, the thing that still catches me, even, you know, when I tell this story just to friends over coffee, um, there's still so much emotion in it because it was just something I never expected to have to go through as a mother. Um, and yet, and really having to just figure it out as we went. Mm -hmm. And it brings up a lot of, you know, it reminds me of like that hero's journey that everyone talks about. And, you know, I'm all about being emotionally uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, but it's like that, the, you know, I was calling it the mess to success, but when you're in it, when you are in it, and I say, there's no back doors. And especially when it has to do with your children, I mean, if if it's yourself or someone else, you're like, ah, it's a tough day. I'm going to give up. And then you just don't return. But when it's a child, you're like, damn it. I can't give up. Totally. Yeah. And, and that was it. It was like, I'm so lost and I have to find a way out, you know, and whatever it takes. Um, and it took a lot of really emotionally uncomfortable conversations to navigate that seven years, you know, um, between my partner and I, with the schools, with work, with her, with everybody in our lives, even our family, right? She was the first and continues to be the only diagnosed neurodivergent kid in our kind of immediate family um, unit. And um, still to this day, like, you know, it's so interesting because people who aren't in the space, really, you don't have any idea what it's like to, to, to navigate the system with, with these challenges. Mm -hmm. And would you say it's like an invisible neurodivergent? Yeah, totally. She, she seems everybody that meets her just thinks she's the most pleasant. And I mean, this was a part, but what I've learned in the journey is girls are often undiagnosed um, can be undiagnosed into adulthood Mm -hmm. um, because usually behavior is not the issue. And with boys, it tends to come out more in their behavior. So they are more disruptive, more rambunctious, you know, um, they can't sit still. And with, with our daughter, it totally wasn't like that. It was, um, she was the helper in the classroom. She'd take attendance, she'd clean up, she'd, you know, do all of the things to keep herself busy. Um, just not learn Mm -hmm. because she couldn't. Yeah. It's fascinating. It is, you know? And so people that meet her just think she's lovely, you know? Um, and, and to this day, when we tell school teachers that had her in those primary years, um, cause we have younger children in the same schools and they're just like, we had no idea. Like even the teachers had no idea. Mm-hmm. They could tell that something was a little bit off, Yeah, but nobody thought it was to the degree that it was. How do you feel um, this has shaped your daughter for the better? Mm-hmm. She has learned how to, she's an amazing advocate for herself. And when I look at her now navigating like university first year, um, she wanted to try first semester on her own with very little supports and just kind of using her own strategies that she's learned. And it went okay. It didn't go great. She wasn't thrilled with the results. And second semester, she's sending emails, having phone calls, calling doctors, 
reaching out, um, having conversations with professors and accommodation staff at the university and just doing all of this really on her own. I mean, part of it is, is she's 18 now, so I can't do it for her. They won't let me talk about her, you know, um, she's got to access all of this herself, but she also feels armed and ready to do it. I love that. You know, I'm and assuming I mean, she's also a support to her friends. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think about that skill that it's just, I mean, most of us don't learn how to do that until <laughs> we're much older, you know, and, and in the throes of all of the messiness of life. And now we have to start setting boundaries and asking for what we need and doing all of these things. And so, you know, now, seven years later, I can see what a gift the whole process has been. Mm-hmm. It certainly didn't feel that way when the news came in two weeks before Christmas. No, it never does. And it's a huge fucking pain in the ass. And then you feel like, okay, who's going to take this on? Mm-hmm. How do I add this to my plate? I remember having that feeling just like, okay, like I have enough, you know, like this is going to break me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can take on any more. Um, and you find your way through it. So I know you talk about a lot about leadership and support people through that process as well. How do you see the connection or correlation with like who you needed to become during this process and then the work that you're doing with companies? Well, it's interesting because part of the world falling out from underneath me um, in the moment. So we had um, a nanny and and some support in the family at the time because my husband and I were both working full time. And it quickly became apparent that what she needed wasn't going to be able to be managed by the people we had hired. And it just, there was this like internal of like, you have to be this person, you know, while you're figuring this out. And I remember having like a total utter meltdown in the middle of a lunch, public lunch, you know, um, cafeteria place with my husband. We had met downtown and I just was like, I have to quit my job and I think I'm going to quit my job today. And he's like, whoa, like, what are we doing? Um, and I was just like, I have to be this person for her. Like, I just, I need to do this. I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, and of course he's like, whatever you need, like a little bit terrified at the time. Um, and I went and had a conversation with my leader at the time. And it was so amazing because I went in ready to quit. And he's like, just take a leave of absence. You know, we'll, we'll figure this out. I get it. Um, we don't want to lose you. So it was this perfect blend of just like him meeting me where I needed to be met. Um, he brought a lot of empathy to that conversation. I ended up taking a 10 month leave of absence, spent a lot of time in a coffee shop with nothing to do. And as a high performer, like go, go, go kind of person who had worked full time and raising three kids and all the things I suddenly had an abundance of time on my hands. And I was like, what am I going to do with myself? And so as a way to just kind of process my own emotions and and feelings around what was going on, I started to journal and I ended up sharing some of the things I was writing with a mentor at the time. And she's like, this is a book and you need to like finish this. Hmm. Um, And that ultimately became the book that I published in 2017. It was was, that whole period was just the catalyst to the work that I do now, um, which really is about allowing ourselves to be, um, to have emotions, to be, feeling human beings because we all are um i worked in engineering and construction which i don't know how many people know about construction but there's not a lot of room for feelings yet um yet you're like there's a tiny sliver of hope 
Yeah. Well, I'm on a mission to try to change that because I do think that, you know, like, sure, we're in technical industries. We're all humans and we all have emotions and they all play a part of how we show up in the job we do or don't do. And, um, and so that's really how my work was informed through this, through this process is I had to be okay expressing my emotions, feeling my emotions, learning how to deal with that, asking for what I needed, um, to make this work in my life. And, and then when, you know, we kind of got settled into a new routine and everybody kind of returned and she was, you know, supported in, in the school that she needed, I went back into my career and said, I'm going to give this a try and see if it works. And like, can I have emotional conversations with my engineering staff and, and see, you know, what impact it has. And it had a tremendous impact on the last project that I ended up leading in my engineering capacity. And I was like, I need to have a bigger impact. So I need to work with more teams. Um, I still love the construction industry and I love delivering projects and I love taking the kids by all the projects that I've built over the years. It just, I felt called to, to have a bigger impact in this industry. And so, yeah, the whole, I don't think I would be where I'm at. I think I probably would still be an engineer delivering projects if this hadn't happened. Differently. It's fascinating. Um, I know you and I have private conversations on Voxer chat and I can tell you're like, I know where Heather is and you just keep sending me little heart emojis um, because I'm in it with my son now. And it's very, um, I mean, I've been in it since he was four years old and just being like, okay, this is going to be a journey, but there's something different with like that child versus adulthood where it's like, I can't control this for you. Like you need to develop these skills and yeah, I'm, I'm really observing the, the male brain versus the female brain and the capacity, but also the cultural expectations where I'm like, you can't just surround yourself with women or who are going to do this for you for the rest of your life. You need to drop your ego and your pride and make that convert, like send that email, do the, and I will sit next to you and I will help you, but you got to do it. Yeah. And that is like not something you see culturally where there is a male advocating for themselves in yeah. that way, not besides domination and like patriarchy vibes, but right. Leading, right. leading from a more compassionate, empathetic place. Absolutely. And, you know, I was talking to a client yesterday. He's like, you, you just want me to have a conversation with my staff about connection. I'm like, I do. It's like, that's really uncomfortable. I'm like, I know. Yeah. You know, because they do, they're like, well, I'll just, if things are going bad, I'll just focus on the work more. And I'll just, to your point, that dominating kind of like, I'll just crack down and double down on the deadlines and the, like, it's very structured and very masculine. And I'm like, it, it's not what's going to get you your results, you yeah. know? Um, and it was super hard, like last semester watching her not utilize all of the supports that were available and really want to try to give it a go on her own. I mean, it was a big shift. She moved out of home. She's in an apartment by her, you know, with a roommate, she's in university. She's got to get herself up for class and out the door and cook all her food and do all the things. Um, you know, as moms, we know how much work that is. Um, and, and she's trying to do school and carry five courses and do all of the things. And, um, you know, and you just got to sit there kind of, I'll, you know, I can support you when you have those rough moments. And there were certainly some calls along the way. And then you just kind of cross your fingers and hope that she gets to this realization that they need something more. And, and luckily she did. She came home at Christmas. She's like, that didn't go so well. I think I need to do something different. And then you can have that conversation. Yeah. 
um, and support them through that, right? But as adults, yeah, all the perceived control that we think we have as parents is just like gone. Yeah, I always visualize, um, what do you call it? Bowling, like with the the boundaries on like the yeah. bumpers instead of like, you're like, okay, I'll put boundaries over the gutter. So like, they're not like in the gutter and I'm going to watch from afar. Mm -hmm. And then you're managing your own emotions of like wanting to control just like when they were little and you could, you know, be like, get in the car, I'm going to strap you in your little harness. You're going to have the snack. We're going to go down to the school and talk to them or do whatever. You don't have that control anymore. And they're trying to advocate for themselves and be adults. And you're just like holding your breath. Yeah. but still watching like that is leadership. You're not avoidant. You're not just like, well, screw you. Good luck. I'll throw you in the deep end. Hope you can swim. So, but the, this conversation has been like, you're teaching grown ass adults how to lead with compassion and empathy, male, female. Um, and then we're looking at children and doing the same thing. And we think, we think, oh, the children are the ones that need to learn. It's still adults that need to learn too. And I'm assuming you have had to become a completely different person, not just changing careers, but from like the inside out emotionally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, early on in my career, I was always told that I was too emotional um, and that I needed to toughen up and get a game face. And like, you're in construction air and you can't cry. Like none of this, you know, um, and what I've realized is, you know, my expression of that emotion when I couldn't put words to it just looked different than the male expression that construction is used to, which is slamming doors, pounding on tables, you know, very kind of what I would, what I would call aggressive behavior. Um, and mine just looked really different. And my journey, I've had to like, really get to know what am I feeling? How is that? affecting my behavior? How do I want to show up in this conversation? Right? Because it's so easy as a parent to go to just do what I say, because I'm the mom, right? Um, and to pull that power card. And yet, you know, it's not how it's not going to have the impact you want to have in that relationship. And it's not how you need to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have to back that up. And there's many, 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 many times because I have two younger boys now, 16 and 13 that are coming up through the ranks. You know, my 16-year-old is now taking trips on his own to the mountains with the friends to go snowboarding. And you do, you just sit there with like observing this really stressful, big thing. And they see it as like, I'm just for the day. It's no big deal. You know, and you're like, oh my God, you're driving two hours there and back. All the things that can go wrong on the ski hill. You know, you just, you have to sit with that. Um, and and then really think about how do I want to show up in this conversation? What are my own emotions that I'm bringing in? And it's even simple things like my younger son this morning, he goes, mom, you just look really upset. And I, you know, I could have said, I started to say, no, I'm not, I'm fine. And I was like, don't do that to him. Like he has noticed that there's something off about your behavior. And I said to him, I'm like, it was a bit of a tough morning. Like I didn't feel rested when I woke up, you know, and I just kind of went through and explained why this behavior is the way that it is. And he goes, Oh, do you just want a hug? And I'm like, yes, please. Oh, you. I love that. You know, and it was just like, and that's what I needed. And I think the more, and you and I've talked about this, the more we try to like hide and push and shove down our emotions because we don't want to feel them, they just get bigger. 
Um, it's like you put them in a little pressure cooker, like the Instapot, right? And then you, you don't take the pressure off slowly. It's just like one thing happens, like somebody leaves their shoes in front of the door or they forget to text you that they arrive safely mm-hmm. and you lose your marbles. Like the whole thing comes blowing off um, because you haven't actually done the work to explore like, what is this that I'm feeling? And you've, you've done that whole like minimize thing where it's just like, I'm fine. I'm going to push through. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, to parent these teenagers and to do the work that I do, it's my journey has been like just learning to, to really dig in and uncover my own emotional landscape. And how is that either helping mm-hmm. the situation or what is it like, how is it hindering the situation? And then how do I manage that? Because it's really not up to anyone else. Yeah. And it's fascinating. The lies that we're told, you know, they get to a certain age and then you're done. Your work is done. Um, that is, that's a good, that's a good cultural lie. Um, I'm like, damn it. Everything is just like, damn it. You lied. You lied. The book, you know, the, what to expect after expecting book is, should be a lot longer and more truth behind it. Um, said that they should, yeah. I, well, I said to my son last week, I'm like, I know why they don't write this book because you cannot, you cannot even fathom the things that are going to come up right. this phase of life. Right. It's not like the what to expect when you're expecting. It's like, Oh, it's pretty regular. This is about this time. It's like, you just don't know with these kids, like what's coming down the pipe. Right. Yeah. I've had people say that don't have children that are like, I'm not going to read your book because it's traumatizing. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> Like, no, I'm like, yeah, it's not the book you're going to want to read when you're like expecting. (laughs) Be like, what do I? Oh, the identity crisis, the this, the this, this. It's like, yeah, but that's what makes you who you are. And that's, that's the resiliency piece. That's the, that's the human journey that people are trying to perfect where it's like, at the end of the day, you just have to learn to like find that space of grace within yourself and lead in alignment with how you want to feel knowing that are we going to fuck up our children? Sure. But I don't, you know, unless you're not intentionally trying to do it, it's part of their human experience and everyone has their own spiritual journey. Absolutely. You know, your analogy about the um, bowling lane, my mom always used to say, my job is to keep you shiny side up between the guardrails of life. You know, so if you think about a car, you want it to be shiny side up and, (laughs) and on the road. And I'm like, that just comes back to me now as I'm raising these kids. I'm just like, oh my gosh, yes. Like they're gonna hit the guardrails of life. Keep them shiny side up, you know, and just moving forward. I have all, I don't know when in my journey or career, I realized that becoming a conscious parent was made me a better leader. Mm. Um, but it was when I started attracting women who were like, okay, this is showing up at home. And I'm like, yeah, but you're also doing this, like leading your teams. Absolutely. So what do you see? I know you talked a little bit about the, the, what you said to the gentleman the other day, but what else you see? I see very similar things. Um, People will come in and be like, okay, this is happening in my team at work. And I'm like, okay, we'll start to work on that. And then, you know, we're in the work and in the thick of it. And they're like, okay, I just had this most amazing conversation with my daughter or my son or my spouse or my mom or, you know, whatever personal relationship they're kind of using. And, um, and I have started to also weave 
you know, I don't just tell stories about like corporate life and corporate leadership when I'm teaching and training um, organizations. It's like this stuff applies at home. And I use everything I learned corporately at home and everything I'm learning at home corporately, because you're right, we're leading in all of these places and we have to learn to lead ourselves first. Mm -hmm. What have you noticed in the last few years post-COVID? Because I feel like when I'm learning about leadership, they're like, hey, we can, we can't, like pretend that we're robots anymore. So what are you seeing in organizations? Um, same thing, you know, they, they're just like, okay, we're going to come back and, and everyone's going to come to the office and we're all going to just go back to the way that it was. And, and we're not dealing with the feelings, right? We're not dealing with how difficult for some people COVID was. If you had little kids trying to work from home, I mean, that was traumatizing. Um, if you, and if you've now got bigger kids or, you know, now you have the little kids because you had kids during COVID, you know, like flexibility conversation, all of these conversations need to be had and they have nothing to do with the work, like the content of what widget you're building or delivering. It has everything to do with who you are as a human being, what you need to thrive, how you're feeling about these things. Um, and a lot of companies just like flip the switch, like one week we were at home working you know, whatever. And the next week you're just expected to be in the office five days a week. Right. Um, and I know that's how we went into COVID, right? It was a, it was a pretty dramatic change. Um, but I do think there needs to be like some titration and some, uh, a flexibility period for people to readjust because our nervous systems have just been through so much, mm -hmm. um, that we really don't know what we need and we kind of have to feel our way into it. And I think for a lot of leaders, that's really difficult because they want to stay in the like logical, rational part of the brain, which can only work when the other parts of the brain are feeling taken care of and regulated. It's still mind blowing to me that we're in 2023 and this is a basic, feels like a basic conversation, Absolutely. but it's not no. bringing humanness to humans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think because other it's, it's so, it's fine to sit here and talk about it and, and we can all kind of like, you know, I'm in training and I'm like nodding my heads and then I'll get the text two days later and be like, Oh my gosh, this just happened. What should I do? I'm like, do you remember that thing we talked about? That's what you need to do here. And it's just so much harder to do in the moment. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's going to take, like what I always hear, it's going to take too long. It's going to be too messy. Right. I'm going to be perceived as somebody who is too soft. Like I'll get walked all over or taken advantage of or manipulated by somebody who needs something different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are some of the common perceptions that I often hear. And what's so interesting is if some, when people are willing to have the human conversation, how quickly the work conversation kind of falls in line. Yeah. Um, they either decide it's going to work and they move forward or they decide it's not and they part ways, but either way, the conversation is had and the issue is resolved more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but there's still so much resistance to just having the human conversation. Yeah. And it, yes. A lot of times, I'm sure you hear this too, is like, can I just have a strategy? Like, what's the three, like, can you just give me a step-by-step -step to, to get from point A to point B? And I'm like, okay, hey, here's the step-by-step, -step, right? Like here's three steps. 
Now go integrate it. And as you integrate it, you have to have your own problem solving and critical thinking skills to be like, okay, step one, step two, step three. Ooh, step three needs to pivot a little bit. And like, that is where the magic happens. There's no life in a box or strategy that someone else is going to give you where it's like, boom, 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 which is why we need support and integration and brainstorming and having those like, try it, try it. You might fail. Have that conversation and be like, oh, crap, that did not go as planned. Now I need to have another conversation. Now a boundary needs to be set. Um, So much, so much of relationships. Yeah. And I think corporately, we still have this mindset of we just need some training, which is that strategy piece you're talking about, right? So, you know, and and earlier on in, in this new journey of mine, it was like, okay, sure, I'm excited. I'll come in and I'll do training. And I'm like, this is not changing behavior. It's not having the impact that you want to have. And so I don't do training anymore without integration and implementation follow-up, right? Where we're coming back and having the same, no new content, no new strategies. Are you doing the work, right? And what's getting in our way and how are we going to remove those barriers? Um, And it's amazing to me because there are some companies that are like, we don't have time for that. We just want the training. And I'm like, it's not going to work and I'm not going to do it. You know, you need a different provider um, because I'm just not interested in giving you another binder that's going to go on the shelf or a certificate you can hang on the wall that is going to indicate to someone externally that you have some kind of knowledge that you can't actually use. Exactly. I love that. That's like integrity. And you're like, I'm here for results and impact. And if you're not willing to do the work, then you are not the organization for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is, it's so rewarding when the organizations do the work because they do have a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're living in a time where, you know, eventually it's like you either evolve or die. Like you're going to get to a point where you're so emotionally uncomfortable from the contrast you're experiencing that if you think it's just another certification or training that you need, um, eventually you're going to be like, crap, like we're losing revenue. We're losing people. Now we actually need to do the work that we've been avoiding doing. Because at the end of the day, sure, you might be building a widget or doing a thing or delivering whatever. It's human beings doing it. Yeah. Right. And if we don't tend to the human being, the work is going to suffer. Yes. So Aaron, where can people find you, your book, the work that you're up to? Yeah. So um, best place would be just on my website, which is www.com. Erin Thorpe, no E dot C-A. So E-R-I-N-T-H-O-R-P dot C-A. Um, everything is there. Uh, the book is also available wherever you buy your books. It's called Inside Out Empathy. Um, and it's all about leading your team with this superpower skill, which is empathy, which is not easy to learn, even harder to do, but has significant impacts on people. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Are you tired of being tired? Stop just surviving and find out exactly where to focus your energy and attention. I'm going to give you access to realistic tools to confidently manage your energy, emotions, and impact. Head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash life quiz and take the aligned life quiz today. It's free. And not only am I going to show you which pillar to focus on of inner leadership. Do you need to focus on managing your energy and time? Do you need to focus on boundaries, getting a deeper sense of purpose in your life or your emotional triggers? 
And are you living in a state of survival mode, momentum, thrival, or abundance? This two-minute quiz will show you how and where to focus your energy and attention. So instead of feeling like you're playing whack-a-mole all over and overwhelmed with where to start, I'm going to show you how. Head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash life quiz.